Welcome to Pathway to Faith with Bishop Steve Howe. Turn your expectations high as you receive the word from our man of God. Prepare yourself to hear a life-changing message. Let's tune in now. But I want to continue where, where I left off because I, I really believe this is an important message and it's one we so, we so desperately need. I'm going to say this one more time because uh, the people of God that God has really truly called uh, under my my tutelage, um, I shared a couple of services ago, and it's the truth that it's important that you stay connected. And if you're not connected, you, you need to be connected. So my question is, who are you connected to? Because you can go to church and not be connected. But it's important to be connected. It's it's God's order, not mine. It's God's order. I'm connected. As a matter of fact, if you you look at the people that I'm connected to, you will see a great similarity in my life compared to their lives because that's what I'm connected to. And And I'm really connected. I'm connected all the way. I'm not half in and half out. As a matter of fact, the people that I am connected to, my wife is connected to. So so I'm not connected to him and my wife is not connected to her. We're we're all in. And if you get around them, if you observe the people that we're connected to, you will see a similarity in the way they live and their accomplishments. You'll see a comparable a resemblance in our lives because we're connected. One of the things that I've discovered is that disconnected people don't do well. They wander because they're not connected. And not only they don't do well, but they become delusional over a projected period of time. They become delusional instead of disciples. Because they have become a counselor unto themselves. And nobody's right but them. And the Bible says in the multitude of counselors, their safety. It it would be very dangerous for you to follow me as a pastor and I'm not submitted to anybody. Why? Because God will never use you to correct me. I'm the leader of this house. But I am a leader submitted to leaders. I am a leader submitted to leaders. And my wife will testify. Those that I'm submitted to, when they speak to me, I engage in what they've shared with me. I don't hear what they have to say. I don't hear their counsel and then walk away like they have said nothing. I know that they're in my life ordained by God to help me, to guard me, to keep me safe, to check my doctrine. And so everybody needs somebody who can walk up in your life unannounced and tell you you're wrong when you're wrong and not afraid to run the risk of you getting mad or cutting off the relationship. You need those kind of friends in your life. Glory to God. I wouldn't be standing here if it wasn't for friends like that in my life. Hallelujah to God. Can somebody say amen? 
turn, if you would, to our foundational text and verse, and we're just going to read it real, real quick. Um, Hebrews, verse 35. It says, cast not away, therefore, your confidence. Verse 35, which hath great recompense of reward. I've shared with you um, in recent teachings that Satan, according to the word of God, that he is literally trying to wear the saints out. Where you just become so weary. And weary in trying to do right. Weary in trying to, there's a price for doing right. Especially today. Because you can lose friends just because you want to do right. Are, are you listening to me? And so I want to encourage you to uh, not cast away your confidence in God. I, I want you to be encouraged today to, uh, to not cast aside the promises that God has made to you. Though they have tarried, they will surely come to pass. Can somebody say amen? So we're talking about cultivating confidence, cultivating confidence in God. When you have confidence in God, that means you're persuaded. And the Bible says about Abraham that Abraham was what? He was fully persuaded. But I shared with you in the former lessons that he didn't start out that way. At 75 years old, God gave him a promise. At 86 years old, it still hadn't come to pass. Do the calculation. At 99, it has still not come to pass, what God had promised him. But somewhere along the developmental journey, the Bible says that Abram, who later God changed his name to Abraham, the Bible said that he became what? Fully persuaded. And I'm saying to you today, it's going to be very, very difficult to stay connected to God in the days ahead if you're not fully persuaded. I could hold up my iPad, but I think this is a better visual, that this is truly the uncompromising word of God. Because there are a lot of voices out there, even in the pulpit, who will tell you this is not all true. And I say to you, if some of it's not true, then all of it's not true. But you're going to have to be fully convinced. I'm going to say something now. Because there are going to be preachers in the pulpit who are going to deny the sovereignty and the validity and the truthfulness that this is almighty God speaking to us. There are a lot of books out there, but this is the only book that have been sanctioned from God. This is God speaking to us through men who were chosen of God. And God is not a mystery. Like some preachers will try to tell you that God works in a mysterious way. He does not work in a mysterious way, and he's not trying to be mysterious. If God wanted to be mysterious, then he wouldn't tell you what he is and what he will do and what you can have and where he is and what he's going to do in the future. 
You don't write about yourself and then give the letter to people to read and then try to remain mysterious. He is mysterious if you don't know him. And he does work in a mysterious way if you don't know what he'll do. But you don't have to be in the dark about what he will do. He's given you 66 books to tell you what he will do. There is no situation that you will ever face in this life that God has not already given you an answer. If you're in trouble today, there's an answer in this book. If you're sick today, there's an answer in this book. If your marriage is falling apart, there's an answer in this book. If your children are giving you trouble, there's an answer in this book. There's an answer because the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it is not his desire to be mysterious to you. Then he said, even in the end times, I'll do nothing until I first reveal it before I first tell the prophets. And thank God for real prophets. I know the devil's got some, but God's got some too. And sometimes you're in the presence of a real prophet and don't even know it. And that can be so dangerous because you can handle them like they're, like they're normal. But God has made a deposit into them that makes them anything but normal. Somebody say amen to this truth. Let's go to Romans chapter 4 and let's get busy for the little time we have before we have to go and do what we have to do. Aren't you glad we're about to, I can see the, I can see the end of the, man, I'm telling you, I don't want to see another nut. I don't care what kind it is. I don't care what you put on it. I don't want nut in my cake. I don't want nut. I don't want a nut. I don't want a, I don't want a candy bar with nuts. I don't want it. I nut, no more nuts. I'm nutted out. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. I'm releasing myself from Daniel's fast, and I'm going to Joshua's eating. <laughs> Glory to God. But it's been an awesome time. Uh, out of all the years we've engaged in the Daniel's fast, I share with my wife, I've heard clearer this time than any other time in all these years. And I've written down so many things, so many things that, that are just, just, it's just God. And I'm excited about what he has said for the direction of this ministry for the next few coming years or until he comes. Amen. Are you in Romans chapter four? Look at Romans chapter four. And um, let's look at verse 21. Romans chapter four. Verse 21, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, now who are we talking about here again? And what does it say about Abraham? He was, and being 
fully persuaded. In other words, Abraham is at a place now where there's no more room in him for doubt. Do you have that testimony today? In other words, he, he, he still doesn't see, he doesn't, still doesn't see anything. There's still no visible manifestation. But something has happened in this process that now he's fully, listen to me now. How do you become fully persuaded about something that you still cannot see? God made you a promise. You still don't see it. But now you have become fully persuaded. Hold on, hold on. Because when God spoke to him, he was 75. When God called him away from his family and everything he knew, when God called him away from, from, from idol worship, Come on now. God's going to create a people out of him. From Abraham, we're going to get the Jewish people. We're going to get the Jewish nation. So God takes a, really a Gentile and converts him to his very own people. And so God tells Abraham, come out from amongst your people. <laughs> I, I'll leave it alone. I'll leave it alone. I will leave it alone. I'm trying to leave it alone. But at 75, you got to get this because there are some things in life you are never going to enjoy till you become fully persuaded. And don't get mad at what I have. I'm fully persuaded. I lost my house and I didn't turn back. I'm fully persuaded. I got my car repossessed and I kept on walking with God. I'm fully persuaded. God called me from a place of the people that I knew and the family that I had and sent me to a city where I didn't know anybody, but I was fully persuaded. I got to Kansas City and got an eviction notice on my apartment door, but I didn't leave the city because I was fully persuaded. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I kept teaching faith and prosperity, and they called me a cult leader, and that this was a cult ministry, but I was fully persuaded. pull up in front of the church and steam come out of my radiator because I got a hole in it on 350 highway. And people were laughing at me, but their laughter didn't stop me from obeying what God told me to do. Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. No money in my pocket. Can't pay my rent. And the devil's laughing on both of my shoulders. What are you going to do now? And there's some things, some of you have been around here long enough, there's some things because of the way I grew up that I knew how to do. So I broke out my Monopoly set. 
not the cards, didn't need the board. And I didn't need the little toys that they had. Didn't need no boot. And I started practicing. And then right in the midst of practicing, I became Jesus. I can't feed my babies. I go down to the welfare office in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Bible college, and I apply for welfare. I'm standing at the door. I'm testifying now. Because you need to know what happened before you saw this. And I'm standing there, used to making long money, but I decided to obey God. And obeying God, it caused me to go through a certain journey. And I'm at the welfare office in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they're asking me things, treating me like a criminal. Like they're asking for the size of my BVDs. And I walked out of the welfare office, stood in the parking lot with tears running down my cheek, telling God, God, is this what I have to go through to obey you? I come to Kansas City with a, with, a, with a college degree, making long money, working on aircraft. By the time I got here, Eastern Airlines has, had filed for bankruptcy and left the city. I'm here in this city, don't know a soul, and don't have any money. I applied for a job down on Gillum in Linwood. It was a plastic place. I don't know if it's still there. The building is. It was right across from where White Castle used to be. You know, I know where all those are. I applied for a job. The man looked at all of my qualifications. He said, you're more qualified than everybody at this company, including the owner, because I was a plant manager in the past. And, but this is all we have, minimum wage. And I forget what it was in 1986. I said, I'll take the job pouring plastic or pouring solution in a, in a mold that would make plastic uh, front doors or something. And the money that they would give me wouldn't pay my rent or anything, but it would put a little gas in the car and I could feed my babies. So I accepted the job. I'm in Kansas City and I don't know a soul. That's why... You don't understand when I say no weapon formed against me in this city will prosper because I know who sent me. When he could have sent me to some people who knew me, he could have sent me to a place where I'd have had people I grew up with and had cousins to help me. But he sent me like he did Abraham to a place that I knew not of. Who Jesus. So I accepted the job paying minimum wage back there in a hot factory pouring plastic mold with a college degree and a, and a, and a, and a diploma from Rainbow Bible College. With tears in my eyes, I was willing to do that's all I could do. 
And before I could show up the first day on that job, I got a call from Colgate Palmolive on Kansas Avenue. But I had to be willing because God knew all along what he had. He had a ram in the bush. But to qualify for the ram in the bush, I had to be willing to sacrifice Isaac on the altar. And all along through the process, Colgate Palmolive, the money, the other job, that wasn't even, that didn't mean anything to God. I was in process. To prove that I could be trusted. See, everybody want to do what they see you do when you're on the stage, but not everybody's willing to go through the process. He had to train me. He had to mold me that when people walk away, I wouldn't quit. When people would talk about you or be misunderstood, that I would continue to stand because you can't do anything great and everybody understands what you're doing. Ooh, Jesus. So here I am working at Colgate Palmolive, making $25, $30 an hour in 1986. And I'm some happy. I'm not happy. I'm some happy. On my way to work, and the same voice that said, you're going to Kansas City, Missouri, and start a ministry that I've ordained for you to start, that same voice while I'm driving to Colgate after working there a few months, said, this is your last day. I said, devil's a lie. I'm making this kind of money in 1986. I can see my way on being able to pay, you know, get, get caught up on things, and, and I'm getting more money than anybody at a church service on Sunday night. God said, this is your last day. And he didn't tell me twice. Because he knew that I knew his voice. I walked in, told the people, my supervisor, some other folk, I said, I'm, I'm done. Done. Preachers who had never spoken to me, who worked there, came to my division wanting to see me. Man, we heard you were leaving this place. Uh, the pastor church. I said, yeah, that's why I came to Kansas City. And then I want to tell you some of the things some of the preachers said. And you 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 gonna put your family out there like that to trust? Mm -mm. I said I didn't come here to make money. I came here to start a church. I came here to grow a ministry. Some of them started visiting. They said, I, I, "Anybody who will leave this kind of money to start a church, I want to hear what you got to say." And they started coming on 350 Highway just to see. They didn't come for nothing else, just to see. You know, people still do that today, you know, and I know them, you know, you know, they'll try to convince me like they're here to stay, but they're not here to stay. They just come to see, just come to get whatever they think they can get to apply to whatever they're trying to apply to to run. I understand that. And some stay longer than others. Because they think it's just in the formula that they see. 
And when they think they got it, they run on with just a formula. Are you listening to me? See, the, the thing is, I can give you my recipe. Just like some of you, your mama, your grandmama gave you the recipe, but your, but your cornbread don't turn out like hers. Huh? Come on now. See, because with grandmama's cornbread, that, that best cornbread, it, it don't have any measurements. Preach, boy, preach. When you call and ask her how she make it, she said, take a pinch of this. And a pinch of that. And you do all the pinches she told you to do and your cake still falls. Because what you didn't realize, it wasn't just in the ingredients. See, your life's been too easy, so you don't know how to. The way, the way she whipped that thing, you, you don't know nothing about that because your life was easy. And so you didn't realize that the reason grandmama's cake and her cornbread tastes the way it tastes is because... And I mean, she can whip it and it can fly in the air and still fall right back into the bowl. And then you're tempted to get mad because your kid says, I want grandma's cornbread. Process. So I'm just simply saying a whole lot of things. When, I, when you hear me talk like that, I can cut something off. I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to get you to see that I stand here today people try to get me and God wouldn't let them get me. They've had people come before the church service started. For some of you got here, they should pour blood out in front of the entryway to the church trying to curse me and trying to curse this ministry. But they didn't know you cannot curse what God has blessed. And some are mad that I'm still here. Not surviving, but I'm thriving. Because if God be for you, God is never going to send you somewhere and you obey him and go and allow small people to stop you from doing a great thing for God. You better hear me today. 
There's some who went. There's some who were sent. And it's a dangerous thing to put your mouth on somebody that God sent. Who, Jesus? Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? Glory to God. You're in Romans 4, verse 21 again. Is this helping anybody? There's a, there's a process. There, there's, ooh, Jesus. There's, there's a process. And you don't get here just hanging with anybody. I remember one member wrote me and said, I'm going to leave this church if you don't renounce uh, Apostle Frederick K.C. Price. And I didn't dignify the letter by responding. You know, some things you just don't respond to. And uh, I've gotten letters over the years that if I didn't disassociate myself with Dad Hagen, that, uh, you know, they would, they, would, they would no longer support this ministry. And uh, just kept on going with God. Because I'm fully persuaded. I'm fully persuaded about my God. And I'm fully persuaded about the people, the men of God, and the women of God that God has connected me to. And I don't allow anything to mess with my connection. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Let me, yeah, why are you saying amen? Amos 3.3 says, how can two walk together unless they agree? I don't have to ask you if you're hooked up. Just tell me who you run with. Tell me who your friends are and who is comfortable in your presence. And how can somebody be so disdained with me and comfortable with you? And let me help my children because... Uh, my children, you know, are real technological savvy, like your kids. And so they watch stuff on your, your Facebook and, and the pictures you take. And it, it really disturbs my children, particularly if it's somebody close to me that is running with people who have left the ministry and, 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 and doesn't have the heart for this house. And so I said to my wife, she's asked me a question. I said, well, uh, your advantage sometimes is knowing and don't let them know you know. But I always know this. If somebody has been disloyal to me and they're still close with you, that's always a sign that you had a propensity to do the same thing. Come on, stay excited. Because you couldn't be together if you didn't have agreement. And I don't run with nobody. What did I say? I don't run with, I don't hang out with, I don't fellowship. I don't go over their house. They don't come over my house if there's somebody who is odd with my man of God. Because I understand, because I understand fellowship. 
And fellowship is just more than us just talking. But there's things being exchanged just from fellowship. And I can get sideways in my soul and don't even know it because of being in the wrong company. Because you can say the right thing but have the wrong motive behind what you said and plant a seed down in my heart toward my man of God. The devil is a lie. I have what I have because of my connection. And we're not going to fall out because what they mean to me, they don't mean that to you. What you can say about him and don't feel anything in my presence, I'll knock you out. Because that's my man of God. You can't talk about my man of God like that. Not in my presence. I don't agree with you. And I don't want my children here in that mess. You got to struggle with him, you go pray. But don't bring it to my house. Mm -hmm. See, I can look at some faces. They don't don't particularly like what I'm saying because the things I'm talking about is process. Cultivating confidence. Mm -hmm. And so if you feel like I'm checking some things, I am. Because if you're not careful, the devil's going to disconnect you. And it's only arrogance for you to think you can keep what you have because of your connection and keep it when you disconnect. Let, let's move on. Is it deep water? Think of the deception. I have what I have. We have what we have because of our connection. Our seed is working for us because who God told us to plant it in. Whatever is on the person we're connected to, eventually it gets on us because we're connected. It would only be deception for me to think that I could disconnect from what God told me to connect to and think my life's going to be the same. I could disconnect from that man and our marriage will be dissolved. Because that man speaks into her life. That was her pastor. So I disconnect from that relationship. We no longer have, we don't have a voice for our union. And the devil attacks our marriage just like he does yours. Come on now. Are you listening to me? I mean, we were in a church service. I mean, powerful, powerful anointing. And the Spirit of God was ministering uh, uh, to, to marriages. And, and I, don't, I can't explain it. Well, if you've been through it, I don't have to explain it. I mean, we were getting along fine, just okie-dory. We landed in a certain city where this conference was going on. It was about a number of things, but on this particular service, it was going to be toward marriages. 
And our marriage, well, I say our marriage, something happened to your pastor. How am I going to be Adam? And I just went off. You heard her say, she didn't have to add anything to it. I'm, you hear me, mother? We're getting along fine. Get on the plane, fine. Eat our uh, peanuts and, and, uh, and a little drink, fine. Land it, fine. Rent a car, fine. Go to the hotel, fine. Getting ready to go to the meeting, and all of a sudden, it's like something walked in the room. And got on your pastor. And I got stupid. Y'all know I love God. Oh, Kanamashia. <laughs> and something got on me. Out of the blue, James. And I got stupid. I mean, just stupid. I don't know. I don't care. I'm going to leave you here. She's looking at me, what are you talking about? You know what I'm talking about. I'll leave you here. What are you talking about, honey? You know what I'm talking about. And all, the whole thing, the devil didn't want us at that meeting. And, I, and so I, I mean, I'm just, you know, just, just creating chaos. You know, enough chaos where we don't go to the meeting. And so my wife said, so you can say what you want to say, do Jordan. I'm going to the meeting. And I don't know how you're going to get there. And if you go, you come back, I ain't going to be nothing here. I'm gone. I'm leaving you here. So she said, I'm going to call Pastor Thompson. That's her pastor. And I'm connected to him strongly. Come on, man, don't leave me hanging. So she said, I'm calling Pastor Thompson. I said, call him. <laughs> call him, I don't care. Call him, you can call Pastor, call anybody you want to call. I'm leaving you here. <laughs> and inside, I'm like, Lord, don't let that woman call Pastor. Please don't let her call Pastor Thompson. I don't want him to know, you know, that I'm acting stupid. Long story short, some kind of way, we get to the meeting. He didn't answer? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. She called, but he didn't answer. Thank you, Lord. Again. Some kind of way we wound up at the meeting. See, these are the kind of things you don't hear from preachers. So, so, so you think their life is just, you know, man, if we could just be like Pastor Mrs. Howe. Oh, yeah? So we get to the meeting. You know where we sat? No, we sit in the back. I'm not sitting in the front. I don't even want to be here. So, you know, she said, I'm sitting, but we're sitting right here. So we sit toward the back. The, the spirit of the Lord was so thick in that place, you could cut it. My dear friend, Bishop Hash and them, they were, you know, they had all, people all, at the, all, all around the world. And I look over, I'm, you know, help me, Pastor. I'm like, I'm praising. I'm like, I got, Negro, you ain't right. You, you know. You know you and I are not talking. You're in front of all these people trying to front like you in glory. Open up your eyes and look at what's going on. So I just put my hands down. You know, God wasn't receiving it. 
By the time I opened my eyes, my wife was already down the altar. Now, it's, I mean, thick. I'm standing there. Your pastor. I'm standing back there like, I don't know what she's down there for. Everything's all right. I'm all right. If I had not yielded to God in that meeting, if I had not repented in that meeting, because sometimes you don't get another chance. Sometimes you got to fix it now. I swallowed my pride, went down that altar, knelt down beside her. And first just kind of put my hand on her back. And when I touched her, something went all over me. I know some of you may not believe this, but it was like a satanic force just lifted up off of me. And it was like all of a sudden I could see. And I was so repentant. Asked her, baby, I, I don't know. I don't know why I said what I said. I said something came up. A satanic force attacked particularly me that I thought I was willing to leave her at the meeting and get on a plane and fly back and leave her in another state and ship her clothes to wherever she wanted them shipped. That's how evil the devil is. Will make you walk away from your blessing from God. And not only is that with a marriage, he's that way with a church. If you're somewhere where God wants you to be. He'll use anybody to manipulate you out of position. That's why you have to be fully persuaded. Your marriage won't work until you fully persuaded. Your business won't work until you fully persuaded. And you can't even hear me correctly until you're fully persuaded that I am the man of God that God has said in your life. Because those who know hear me different than those who are casual. And when you're fully persuaded, you're not so easily offended. Ooh, Jesus. Let, let, let me, how much time do I have? Oh, my. I'm so sorry. My time is gone, and I've got these wonderful things that you certainly need to know when you're persuaded. When you're persuaded, it means that you have a change of mind based upon information, influence, and evidence. And then I want to give you about seven things, seven principles to apply to your life that will help you to cultivate becoming fully persuaded. But I'm out of time. Wow, what an amazing message. Thank you for listening to our Pathway to Faith broadcast. If you're ever in the Kansas City metro area, join Bishop and Dr. Howe at Harvest Church International Outreach, 4300 North Corrington Avenue, Kansas City, Missouri, 64117. Or catch our services live online at www.harvestchurchkc.org. Be blessed.